It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to you in part by our next Billy C. Boxing event. We don't have the exact date, but it will be taking place sometime in January, mid-January to be exact. And it's going to be our after-the-holiday party party. And uh, we will be filming uh, some more of Billy C.'s Boxing Revisited episodes. So we got... Uh, four great fights that we're going to be showing uh, that night. So make sure you're part of it. What's better than giving a loved one or a good friend uh, a gift to come and hang out with us after the holidays? The gift that keeps on giving. Let the holiday season be dragged on a little more. <laughs> but uh, check it out. You want some info, drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. Uh, dot com. And today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage, The Baddest Man on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of it while you're watching or listening to this show right now. Go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Want a signed copy? Visit the website billycboxing.com and click on the book. If you want multiple copies for the holidays, which I strongly suggest, drop me an email and I'll hook you up with a better deal. Hey, speaking of Billy C's Boxing Revisited, uh, don't forget they're airing uh, on uh, several television networks uh, that uh, are available uh, not only uh, online, but on terrestrial television, on cable networks, on satellite, uh, on uh, uh, internet like Roku or whatever. Check out our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and uh, all the uh, television networks that will be airing uh, Billy C's Boxing Revisited are on the right-hand side. So click those, visit the websites, and find out the dates, times, and channels you can watch uh, this show on. Uh, Sal and I uh, had a lot of fun doing it, and I think you guys are going to really like this new series uh, that we did. I'm curious to get your feedback once it starts airing. If you notice, we haven't really talked a lot about it, uh, but uh, I want you to check it out. You're going to love it, especially... Especially the uh, one we talk about all the time, Gene Fulmer against Emil Griffith. What, 
I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Gene Fulmer against Benny Kid Perrette. What a what a what a great fight that was. Uh, but anyway, busy, busy, busy show scheduled for today. Uh, what you got to do is make sure you don't go anywhere because coming up in a little bit, we got Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard. We'll get his thoughts on Kovalev's return. Uh, plus, uh, my hangups with the referee uh, job uh, and the uh, discussion that we had yesterday about Arkansas allowing an HIV-positive uh, fighter to participate. I'll give you an update on that in a second. Uh, and then this week's blast from the past, Alex Papali will be here to tell us all about, as per request from a listener, one of you guys, Diego Corrales. So don't go anywhere, man. Busy show. Today, one of my main topics, uh, Miguel Cotto against Saddam Ali this weekend. This is being billed as Miguel Cotto's final fight uh, several years after he had already said it was his final fight. My question today my question today, because we will be breaking down those fights later in the week, but my question today, you get the idea, right? I got a question today. The question today is, is the fight going to be competitive? Does Sanam Ali stand a chance to fight Miguel Cotto? Did Miguel Cotto handpick this guy just for his exit stage left fight in front of arguably you know, his biggest fan base in New York City? Uh, is it going to be a competitive fight or is it a showcase fight? Joining me right now from St. Simon's Island uh, is my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, Miguel Cotto has billed this as his final fight, his uh, bum voyage fight. And, you know, he is, uh, you know, has been in the press uh, several weeks saying how tough his, his uh, career was, which is 100% true. Is this a showcase fight, or is this going to actually be a challenge for Miguel Cotto? Da, na, 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 na. Bing, bing, bing. Showcase! Hey, right answer. Um, Bill, I think he probably had a few opponents that uh, were presented to him by the promoter and matchmaker, and I'm sure he carefully looked at each, uh, each opponent, and he probably used whatever he had as far as information and made a calculated guess that uh, this will be a good opponent for me to, to look good and have my farewell dance. And uh, I'm, I'm probably about 99.9% .9 sure that's pretty much how things would work in that scenario. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. I mean, Miguel Cotto, uh, he's the current WBO junior uh, middleweight champion. He was also a former junior welterweight and welterweight and middleweight champion. Um, you know, this guy, clearly a Hall of Famer, uh, ranked number three in the world at junior middleweight, according to the computer. Uh, he is 37 years old. He really snuck up on us because several years ago he said that it was his last fight and uh, he's uh, fought on since then. Um, he steps in the ring with uh, Saddam Ali, who's uh, talking a good game, but... Uh, I don't see this guy having uh, any any chance. He does have a height and uh, slight reach advantage uh, I mean over. Uh, I mean, his height is two inches, but his reach is substantial uh, over Cotto. Uh, he is a smaller guy, Sal. I mean, this guy normally campaigns in the welterweight division. Uh, all of his fights have been in the welterweight division, and when you look at the welterweights, he's ranked number twenty-five. So he's not even he's not even a top top welterweight. Uh, going in with, with Miguel Cotto. 
Um, what does he have to do, presuming that all of the odds are against him? And, oh, by the way, he's got, you know, a, a terrible ch- – I, I think Andre Rozier is one of the worst trainers. I, I know he's got success with Danny Jacobs and stuff, but uh, I think he's one of the worst trainers in boxing. That's who he's got to lean on. What can this guy do? I mean, he says he's going there to win. He says it's his time. It's his town. Uh, it sounds like the normal – Hey, you better uh, talk some smack to build up uh, uh, some interest in this fight. I mean, can he outbox Cotto? I mean, Cotto does do the same thing, fight after fight. Well, it's a good scenario. And like I said, Bill, I believe Cotto was probably presented with a few opponents. And he probably had an option. And he probably selected one of the fighters uh, in in Ali uh, that he'd have a good calculated guess in looking good against and having the right style to beat him. Um, I think Ali will look respectable. He is a respectable fighter. He's no bum or a month or whatever. I know that. Uh, and he will. Ali would probably try to outbox Cotto and uh, move around and give him some angles and to look at and, and uh, hit and run or be in, in the pocket and leave. Who knows? But Cotto is an experienced future Hall of Famer. He, he's been in the ring with... Uh, styles after styles after styles he knows how to counter he knows how to do what he needs to do to press a fight to press an opponent and he can cut the ring off Cotto could do it pretty much all so I think he's going to look to assess and see what he has in his opponent in Ali and uh, I think uh, you will see momentum building and he'll he'll uh, he'll dominate the fight and he'll probably stop him in the later rounds well Miguel Cotto I, I mean when we look at Miguel Cotto Facts of facts. He's eight years older than Saddam Ali. Uh, he's uh, two inches shorter, but he's given up a half a foot in arm reach, um, you know, uh, to Saddam Ali. Uh, was it going to make a difference? I, I don't know. You know, when, when I look at Saddam Ali's resume, you know, up until his fight in 2014 against Luis, uh, Luis uh, Carlos Abreu, he kind of had an easy path. You know, they, they, they put him in with the right opponents. But since then, in, at least in his weight class, he's fought some tough guys. You know, uh, he's got the ninth-round stoppage over Abreu, uh, Francisco Santana. He won a decision. Um, his only loss came when he challenged for the uh, world welterweight title uh, in March of last year against Jesse Vargas. He got stopped in nine. He has come back uh, with three strong wins against good opposition, Saul Corral, Jorge Silva, and uh, Johan Perez. And Perez was, uh, um, you know, a, a good fight against, uh, I thought, two evenly matched guys. But here's the thing, Sal. Jesse Vargas is probably um, the closest type of fighter that will be uh, fighting like Cotto or had fought like Cotto will be fighting on Saturday. And Saddam Ali really didn't have an answer for him. He was battered in that fight and stopped in the ninth round. Um, I, I'm kind of thinking, and, and Jesse Vargas is taller than than Cotto. I'm thinking that in this case, even though he's got a couple of inches uh, in, in height advantage and, and six inches in reach advantage, I'm thinking that Cotto is going to be able to uh, stifle him. I think he's going to get up in his face and uh, neutralize Saddam Ali. I, I, and I also think, despite what Saddam Ali is saying, I think he's just happy to be there. I, I, I read between the lines in a quote 
him saying that you know he's really excited to perform on HBO. Uh, is you think it's going to be one of these cases where you know his victory is already signed? It's over because he signed on the dotted line. That was his victory. Now the fight is secondary. I mean, what do you think? No, I I do believe in a fighter's heart of hearts. No, he's going to go in there. He's going to try and do whatever he can do to win. Uh, and that's just the way we're built. And I think that he will, you know, probably uh, try to move, try to box, try to use his reach advantage. But, you know, Cotto is an experienced, uh, dominant fighter, and he knows how to press. He knows how to push. He knows how to slip. And those long arms are going to take too much time, and Cotto's going to be in there like a buzzsaw. And uh, he's going he's gonna to look good. He's going to look good defeating Ali. Now, I'm not saying Ali in his mind, he's going to do his best. He's going to try and pull an upset. He's going to look to say, hey, I got this opportunity. I'm on HBO. I got a good payday. I'm doing the last fight of Cotto's, so-called last fight of Cotto's career. And this is my chance to shine. He's going to come in with that, that mentality and mindset. But Cotto is going to answer that from the bell, from the first bell on. He's going to let him know, hey, you are in the ring with me. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to uh, do the best to to uh, to look good and make get, get you out of here in a little while. Yeah, I, I, I think what you said in the beginning, um, it's a showcase fight. It is a showcase fight. Um, you know, I, they can do what they want to try to spin it and give Saddam Ali. I mean, even coach in the chat room. And by the way, if you're watching uh, on TV or a stream or if you're listening uh uh, on a radio dial, come on into the our, our official chat room that we respond to is up on uh, BillyCBoxing.com. I know there's several others, uh, and we love the interaction. So if you want to uh, be part of it, come on over to the chat room in BillyCBoxing.com. Coach said that uh, he put some money on the fight, you know, so he's got some confidence in uh, Ali, uh, put some money on Ali for the fight. Okay. Um, you know, I, I mean, I could see that, you know, the odds are so skewed. Uh, in Cotto's favor, but I, I, I listen. I thought it was the case when they first announced the fight, and I think it's the case now. Nothing's changed in my mind. I don't care if Cotto was forty years old; uh, he's close to it. But I, I don't think he, if he was forty-five years old, I don't think that uh, Saddam Ali has a chance. I, I really don't. He doesn't have uh, the experience. Uh, he doesn't have the corner. Uh, and he quite honestly does not have the skill set. Now, the the only thing that could, uh, you know, sway and give Saddam Ali a chance is Cotto's age and the fact, Sal, that he's been in wars. Miguel Cotto's fighting style is a kill-or-be-killed style, and no one can argue the fact that Miguel Cotto has been in many, many wars. Some went his way and some didn't. You know, uh, th- does that catch up with him on Saturday night? No, it doesn't catch up with him Saturday night. And if he can get out unscathed, uh, it will catch up with him later in life. And uh, if 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 I could be so bold to say, if he if he hasn't received too much damage or too much, uh, you know, cost uh, the prize worth the price. He's been in a lot of ring wars and he's a warrior. He's got the warrior's heart. He's a great fighter. I love him. And uh, the, but the bottom line is, you know, he uh, he's going to give it his all Saturday night. And he's still the fighter we are going to expect to see that we know can be the one to do the job necessary to win and look good. He's there. He's there. 
what I'd be more concerned about is what was going to ha- what's going to happen to him maybe 10, 20 years from now, and hopefully he'll uh, be unscathed and, and uh, not come down with any symptoms or so that uh, a lot of warriors do develop later on in life. You know, I, I mean, you know, that, that's a point that you know we have uh, been forced to to deal with, and I, I, I you know, there's there's pros and cons with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, yeah, you know, it's dangerous. But, yeah, you know, Miguel Cotto, more than anyone, knows what, what's on the line. You know, yeah. and, and and I, I can't stand, and I know you don't feel this way, Sal, but, I, you know, you opened up the can here. So I, I can't, I can't stand how, you know, everybody is, oh, oh, that, you know, and not just boxing, you know, football. Oh, you know, uh, we shouldn't have tackling in football anymore. You know, I, we, <laughs> you know you're not allowed Forget to. Oh, whoa, did you touch that quarterback? Whoa, no, 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 you're not allowed to tackle the quarterback. You know, and and it's just, it's become so, I mean, I hate to say it, but we have become so weak as a society, and I've said this before, mentally and physically. Now, now you could put an asterisk next to physical because physically we've gotten bigger and stronger and nutrition has helped uh, people, uh, you know, uh, be more fit and, and uh, you know, live longer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, mentally we have become so weak and you can see it in the youth. All you got to do is look at a, a Little League game and everybody's walking away with a trophy. And I've told you this many times. I, I really think it started with that. You know, and, and we say, you know, this is our youth we coddle from the time they're born through college and then we throw them out. It's worse than a bird getting kicked, getting his ass kicked out of the nest. You know, whoa, whoa, mama, how they can fly? My wings can't even fly yet. What are you kicking me out of the nest for? Well, it's the Let same. It's yeah. the same yeah. thing, man. Thank you. You know, thank I, I mean, you. right? You're right? Talking about it. I mean, uh, what do you think? Well, you know, how I feel about it. I mean, I, I, even even employees that I've had in the past, uh, they're coddled their whole lives here in a little fishbowl. And and then they get out in a workforce or a world, and uh, if, if I tell them what to do in a stern manner, because I have to remind them, I've told them five times before. Oh, you're yelling! Get the frick out of here! This is how you work. You know, you know, don't don't, uh, you know, believe me. Or or if I talk with a tone, I'm talking for with authority or doing this, doing that. Oh, he's he's yelling. He's so mean. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, wake up, <laughs> splash some water in your face, and get uh, get your. Uh, tidies on right and uh, work and it, do what you got to do it, this is this is this is this is what the youth of america is doing right now growing up and being coddled and then they have to get out there because they've always had their way they've always had um okay uh don't be too 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 loud or let's protect them let's not expose them to this and then boom they get hit and it's like oh my gosh what am i doing you know, it's not so, everybody. It's, it's so it's so just right. Like I'm gonna, just it, just like I'm going to say what I really, truly believe when it comes to pugilistic dementia, it is predetermined or predestined. I mean, some people have have the skulls and the brains that that can't take the punishment as much as others can or are they predestined to to receive that kind of trauma and deterioration of the brain cells later on in life one way or the other and boxing may have just uh, may have just accelerated the process i don't know i'm not a doctor but i stayed in holiday and express yeah there you go <laughs> keep plugging and hey, no but they do they do have a connection there but we got to take a break but you're so true it's so true what you say 
you know, uh, you know, especially, you know, for anyone that's I mean, not Italian, you know, you get that, you, you get it's that like, look at you and they go, what? Don't stop yelling at me. Yelling. I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling. I'm talking about what are you talking about. Hold that thought. We'll be back in uh, about two minutes. So uh, don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And you know, Sal, uh, before we went to break, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, basically stop yelling at me. You're talking to me. Well, you know, I, I you know how I always say that it started out with the uh, uh, with the participation trophies. I, I, I've 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 changed that. I, it started with timeouts. You remember, like yes, when when, yes, when we yes. were kids, when we were kids, you, you do something wrong, you get a swat in the ass, you know, or or you you get something taken away or something, and then all of a sudden it evolved to, you know what, that's that's all too vicious, that's too vicious for a child. Let's give him a timeout. You know, it's like timeout. What are you talking about? And it went from timeout to participation trophies. I, I mean, come on, man. You know, I, I say this all the time, Sal. My parents used to say, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Now, we've become so fragile, and this is a serious topic, we've become so fragile that kids get bullied, not even in person, on the internet, and then they commit suicide. They're so distraught over it. I, know, I mean, it's I sad. It's well, sad. I, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's a sad It's a sad. It's sad. It's, yeah. sad, Bill. Yeah. it's sad. It's sad, Bill. It's sad. But anyway. You know, we grew up with sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never harm me. I mean, that's it. Right. You know, I mean, I, you know, the the least thing you should worry about is if someone calls your name. You're fat. Oh, God, I'm going to kill myself. You know, yeah, yeah, no, okay. No. I'm fat. Throw me another sandwich, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, um, you know. I am what uh, I am, Popeye. <laughs> um, I, uh, just, to, just to say, I, I personally, I don't think that the Kodo Saddam Ali fight will be competitive. Um, I think that Kodo is going to make quick work of Saddam Ali, and I'd be surprised if it goes the distance. You know, um, it may not even get into the second half of the fight. What do you think? I think, not that I'm going to suggest that Kodo is going to carry him, but uh, I think that Kodo will try to establish his dominance uh, early whether it's a punching power or just his finesse and able to land punches at will. Uh, I think Cotto will not want to end it in one, two, or three rounds. I think he will look to maybe end it in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. You can't do – you know, I, I, fighters I, – I can't stand when you're in a fight, not sparring, when you're in no. a fight and a fighter goes back to his corner and his corner makes a statement like, Oh, this, this is an easy fight for you. Let's put some rounds in. Let's get some rounds in. You know, no. there's no reason to do that because 
if you can no. take your guy out quick, take him out quick. Take you him know, out I quick. mean, no, you know, that's an unnecessary risk and chance. It is. There's no reason. You know, I mean, if you if you need to break an opponent down, fine. You break him down, you chop the tree down, and you do what you got to do. But if you can find that you could take them out, take them out. If you, you know, there's no reason to hang around. I've seen way too many fights where a fighter goes back to his corner, everything's all hap, hap, happy, and the trainer says, you know what, let's put some rounds in. Let's get some rounds under our belt. You need some rounds. Next thing you know, what happened, coach? Yeah, well, you know, you got caught. You know, yeah, well, you know, that's what happens. But uh, That's right. That's why any given night. That's right. Hey, I just want to update uh, everyone. Yesterday we were talking about the uh, uh, Arkansas Commission and the them allowing a HIV-positive fighter to fight. Um, it was uh, released, you know, Mike Mazzulli, uh went on his high horse, uh, um, you know, really beating up the Arkansas Commission, uh, which you should uh, to a degree. But the bottom line is it was reported that uh, the fighter had submitted false blood work results, um, you know, which would explain why this commission yes. uh, allowed him. Now, what it doesn't explain, and we'll be talking with Larry a little bit later, but what it doesn't explain is the fight facts that had him on indefinite suspension and why they didn't yeah. look at that. That's number one. And number two, are you telling me as a commission you just take any old blood work that somebody brings? Oh, here's my blood work. Here it is. You know, here, you use this one. No, they usually <laughs> send it directly from the lab to the commission. Yeah. That's how it works. I mean, I've, I, that's how I, it's always worked for me, even in the state of Arkansas, when I promoted there. So it still seems a little fishy, that whole situation, Sal. Yes, it does. You know? It does. It does. That's weird. It's a virgin. I mean, what are you going to do? Hey, I can't give you my blood. I might have some traces of some PEDs or whatever the heck uh, uh, or, or something. Let's uh, let's give you this blood. Oh, by the way, this blood might be HIV. Uh, so, yeah, well, I, I don't know, Bill. It sounds a little bit fishy, as you suggested, Billy C. Baby Joe Macy, uh, which was a friend of mine, still is, uh, was a heavyweight uh, contender uh, several years back. And he was in a, a, a vicious fight that uh, the New York State Athletic Commission, uh, you know, discovered a, a um, abnormally, uh, abnormality on his brain scan. And he was trying to fight, and he would do exactly that, bring in his own head scans from, you know, his own doctor. And the New York State Commission wouldn't accept it. They wanted to use their own scan. And as much as baby Joe Macy, you know, tried to make a point of it, uh, I could see why the commission didn't, uh, ex it, you know, accept it. But anyway, um, some other scores in sports. Uh, NBA, the Cavaliers beat the Heat 108-97. The Suns beat the Bulls 104-99. The Wizards topped the Timberwolves 92-89. Uh, the Jazz beat the Nuggets 106-77. And the Bucks beat the Kings 112-87. In the National Hockey League, the Lightning shut out the Sabres 2-zip. The Islanders win a game 5-2 over the Canucks. The Panthers topped the Rangers 5-4. The Sharks over the Flyers 3-1. The Blue Jackets beat the Hurricanes in a shootout 3-2. The Kings over the Red Wings 4-1. The Predators over the Blackhawks 3-2. The Oilers beat the Coyotes 3-2 in overtime. The Stars shut out the Golden Knights 3-zip. And the Maple Leafs beat those Flames, Sal. They beat the Flames 4-1. And that gets you caught up. I have an email I want to read real quick. Um, yes, Sal. Thank we you. got Thank a minute. You. Thank you for acknowledging me, teacher. Um, did you hear the news? 
about my New York Giants and Eli Manning? Yes, good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I think Me that too. that I think I that think was a, a stupid move. I mean, listen, no. I, you know I hate the Giants, and I and and, and I do. do. I'm a Jets fan. That's the way it was when I was a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. It was either or, and I I, I can't stand the Giants. But let me tell you something. Eli Manning is not the problem. The problem is they don't have a line. They have no receivers except for one. You know, and you're going to blame Eli Manning, and you're going to put Geno Smith in? I mean, come on, this guy. You know, to me, the the Giants are making a a, a really stupid mistake. Uh, that coach has lost his team. The Giants have already said they're going to keep him. I think it's a mistake that uh, that they bench Eli. I don't think it's fair to Eli. But then, if you look at a health thing, maybe it maybe it's good for him. You know, I don't know. What do you think? I think uh, I think. It's about a year or two too late. I, I thought Eli uh, left his best days uh, on the field about a year or two ago, number one. Number two, I agree that I think they need a, a change, and I think it's got to start from the top down. And uh, uh, shaking them up a little bit and just trying and seeing uh, whether they bench them for a week or two. Their season's already over. It's shot. And uh, why not do what they got to do to stimulate and see if it can make a change? You know, that's what I'm saying. Every week they go in the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. Nothing's happening. You do something over and over again and you expect different results. You know, that's a definition of insanity. So shake it up, turn it up and see what happens. Like I said, Eli was great. I love Eli. He was great for, for the Giants. But I think his best days are well behind him, and uh, they've got to start looking for changes. Well, I mean, they got a good court, uh, quarterback they drafted last year. That's probably yeah. they're hoping it's going to be the future. Um, but I, the coach is trying to, you know, be strict with the team. And again, uh, the youth they can't handle it. They say he makes us practice too hard. Uh, you know, he, he when we're late for meetings, he finds us. Uh, he's vicious. He's vicious, and and they can't cope with it. You know, I mean, give me a break. You know, these are athletes today making buku dollars, and you know the the coaches of yesteryear, the Bill Parcells, uh, you know, all the great coaches that were kicking the ass type coaches, Vince Lombardi. I mean, uh, these kinds of guys would can't survive in today's uh, athletic world because. Everybody's too fragile. Plus, the team invests so much money in the players that, you know, the coach. That's why I like college sports. Anyway, I'm running out of time. I got to take a break. I want to get this email out of the way. It's from Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, Kovalev should face Bivol. Uh, Barrera, first option. If not, then uh, Beater Beef, Joe Smith, Barrera deserves it more. Listen, um, he fought for a title. And because of all the sanctioning bodies, his mandatory is Barrera right now. Now, should they come up with a deal to fight Bivol, which is the fight we all want to see, then they'll get an exception from the WBO and they'll let it fight. But he's already got a fight kind of in the, in the bank, so to speak, against Barrera. He says, I heard Floyd has shut down the rumors that he will come back. I certainly hope so because I personally don't want to see Floyd ever again anywhere. Um, he says, Cousman. Uh, is an interesting heavyweight, but needs to throw more and have a better defense. He had 11 fights. You know, I, I think I give him credit for fighting Amir Mansoor. It was the best name on his resume. Everybody's all gaga over this guy. Let's see him fight a little more, you know. Um, I think he needs to do a lot of things. First thing, he needs to fight a little better competition and get better. That's all. Uh, he did. He tried to do that against uh, uh, in his last fight. Uh, against Amir Mansour. He says, I think I got a fighter I wanted to see fights uh, Cletus Selden and Ulysses Ulysses, uh, Jr. on December 16th. It's an interesting bout. 
Um, uh, Ulysses lost to Steve Klager, but this would be a good rebound. I'm going to talk about that fight in a little bit, Sal, because I agree that is going to be a good fight, and I think uh, the true colors for Selden will come out. I mean, he's a one-dimensional fighter, and uh, we'll have to see. But, uh, Sal, I know you got to uh, do something, plus we're kicking you to the curb anyway. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to see you uh, a little bit later, my man. I'll be back. All right, I'll Sal. Have a take good care. one. Uh, Sal uh, should be back in a little bit. I'm going to take a short break now. When we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, my man, uh, Larry Hazard, join us. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. Check out billycboxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be here. And uh, joining us right now is uh, my main man, Larry Hazard. What's up, Larry? Hey, Billy. How you doing? Great, man. How was your uh, Thanksgiving? Pretty good, Billy. You know, it's always good to be able to be with family and have a nice meal. So every day is Thanksgiving, really, for me. Well, that's that's, uh, that's good. Now you go right from Thanksgiving to the next one, right? It's like, uh, yeah, you know, we got that we got that string going on right now, you know. So, uh, yeah. you know, did uh, a lot of people get stressed out? But uh, yeah, you take it you take it the way it comes, right? That's right. Right. Let's chat about the fight this past weekend. I got a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, first and foremost, Sergey Kovalev returned to the ring. I don't know about you, man, but I. <laughs> We've been talking about him, and this was a guy that I absolutely loved. And in his last fight against Andre Ward, I, you know, I don't care what people say or how you spin it or anything else. I, the guy quit. The guy quit against Ward, all right? And I, I kind of lost a lot of respect for him. Then he comes back, and I have no problem with him fighting Shabransky as a comeback type of a fight. But then all of a sudden, the WBO makes it a title fight. And I say to myself, how does a guy coming off back-to-back -back losses, and people, you know, I myself thought he won the first fight against Ward, but he didn't on, on paper, and he certainly didn't in the second one. You know, how does a guy get a world title shot after coming off of two losses, and then all of a sudden starts calling everybody out? What was your thoughts of his performance? Did he deserve it? Am I being too critical? Give me your thoughts. Well, I'll start with the last part. You're not being too critical. Um, it's just another demonstration of what the sanctioning organization's main goals are. Okay, that's that's number one. I'm sure 
it made it it made it a title fight. So everybody got a payday, you know, including the sanctioning organization. So that's what I'll say about that. The performance itself, well, I give him credit for doing what he was supposed to do because I didn't see this Sobransky guy as that much of a competition. And I don't want to be uh, too overly critical. The man is coming back off of two losses in a row. So I give him credit for going in, taking care of business, and doing what he was supposed to do. Because a lot of times when they come back, you know, they don't they don't take care of business. They don't, you know, the fight goes the distance, leaves uh, a lot of questions still unanswered. So he did answer the question that he has the, the, the fire and the tenacity to try to make it back to where he once was, which I don't think he will. I don't think he will. Um, I'm disappointed because I was very high on Kovalov uh, over time also. But I think that in the last Andre Ward fight, he didn't show me the fire and the uh, grit that I thought he had. I thought he was. it was disappointing the way that uh, that fight ended. I thought that he quit. I thought that something was wrong. I don't, you know, his, his level of confidence or whatever. But that's not the way a champion goes out, in my opinion. So um, the jury's still out on Kovalov now. Uh, I still feel the way uh, that I did before the fight. I think that he's he's at the end. Um, we have to see who they put in front of him now. But at least he did show. He showed uh, some tenacity. Uh, he showed that at least right now he wants to fight. He wants to fight on. What, what, he, what he has left, I don't know. But I still say that the jury's still out on him. So we'll have to wait and see what he does in his next fight. You know, jumping back to the, to the last Andre Ward fight, you know, Larry, he had it all right in front of him in that fight. He talked smack leading up to it. And, you know, all he had to do was go out there and even even losing, if he would have went out there and, and went all out and tried to take off Andre Ward's head, which I felt he should have done, uh, you know, should have tried to do. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there would be as much criticism. He He really talked a lot of smack. Not only does... Andre Ward guarantee a knockout. He comes and knocks him out, and 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 you know Kovalev, you know looks for uh, an excuse. You know once you know claims that you know uh, foul this and that, and and that aura about him is gone. Then we see him against Shabransky, which I, I agree with what you're saying. It's a comeback fight, but remember, it's on HBO. HBO, uh, you know, brags about putting great matchups on, and Shabransky looks so limited. Even though he's getting dropped, he's still coming forward doing the same thing. I mean, it was just basically a showcase that didn't deserve to be on HBO, in my opinion. You put that fight on network television or even ESPN, and I'm 100% okay with it. But on HBO, I, I want to see a better matchup. I want to see a guy that, you know, at least shows me that he could uh, be a competitor. You know, uh, Shabransky, I'm going to work the body. He's weak in the body. I didn't see one body shot. No, and I and I agree. I agree with you on the, the issue of HBO. I, I don't know where they're going uh, with this. Uh, obviously, 
Kovalov is a sweetheart or one of the sweethearts of HBO. Who knows? I don't know. I know um, Bob Arum had a lot to say about the guy who's the CEO over there and uh, relative to his abilities, um, you know, in the fight game. But that's not, from, you know, need to get into that. I, I agree. It wasn't the type of HBO fight that you would expect, uh, you know, on the networks. Uh, as far as as far as Kovalov is, you know, he talked a lot of smack. He didn't deliver. He lost very ugly. Uh, what I say, he lost ugly to Andre Ward. Andre, of course, who who happens to be one of one of my favorites, uh, he did everything he you know he was supposed to do. I mean, even even now, you know, or even then when he was there, talking about pound for pound uh, fighters, um, they never they seem that like they're always hesitant to mention Andre Ward, who has the credentials, has the record, everything else at HBO, especially Lomachenko, seems to be one of their favorites. Uh, how are you going to put Lomachenko pound for pound over Andre Ward? I don't know. But back to Kovalev and that whole situation, um, he lost very ugly. You know, he, he lost, he didn't go out, he didn't lose like a top-notch fighter. He didn't lose like the Kovalev that we expected. Even, if, you know, um, and like you said, he would have had, I would have ex ex expected and respected him even more if he had gone in there and really made a fight of it against Andre Ward and lost, even if he had gotten stopped, if he had made a fight of it. But the way the fight itself, the way he lost, you know, it just turned me off with uh, Kovalov to this point. He's got a long way to go to get back to where he was, in my view, you know, but... You know, I'm willing to give him a chance. I did see a little bit of fire, but the fire was against a guy who was no not no real competition anyway, Sobranski. You know, he did. I mean, he, he went in and, and he stopped this guy. It wasn't even a fight. You know, and I'm like, well, what was this? I mean, the only thing I can say is that, you know, he did show some fire in stopping the guy, and that was it. Right. But I, I didn't see anything else noteworthy. No, I, I agree. Now, you know, I, 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 this was like a, a workout. You know how you, you start off slow in yeah. a workout, and then you get you get going. No, this is what I just did to you. I, I started off slow with the Kovalev thing. Now uh, I'm, you're getting into the nitty-gritty of, of some topics that are, you know, up your alley. I know, I know you really, you know, uh, you, know you, you, don't, you don't really want to be too critical of Kovalev because of your position and stuff. So I, I figure, you know what, let me, let me ask some questions to Larry that he's going to like. Okay, so here we go. My first one um, is on that same card. Yorikis Gamboa fought Jason Sosha. Now, I don't want to get into the scoring because, you know, if you're watching yeah. the fight with the sound on, it was a robbery. If you watch it with the sound off, I thought Gamboa did land – uh, some crisp punches. Uh, Sosha was landing the harder punches, it seemed, but his punches weren't accurate. They, you know, I thought the right guy won, except I couldn't see how he won with the deductions is what my point is. Ron Lipton, who I know personally, and who I thought did a very good job for the most part in that 
fight. He was added a camera shot. He was, uh, you know, uh, a guy that was, you know, in charge. I thought he did everything good except the point deduction. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yes, he warned uh, Gamboa about holding. But holding to me, at least in my opinion, Larry, and, and I need you to clarify, holding to me is 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 clinching where you can't fight your way out of it. Not just a quick, you know, clinch for a defensive move and, and you have a free hand and, and you're allowed to hit. You know, you need to give them a few uh, seconds to, to fight their way out of it. Once they both hold on to each other, now you break them apart. But if one guy's trying to fight his way out and the other guy's trying to hold, you need to give them a little more time. That's what I saw and Ron kept warning Gamboa, and then finally, after the final warning, he does it one more time, and by the time he did it, both fighters were kind of holding each other, and he deducts a point in the final round. I thought that if he was going to deduct a point, it had to have come earlier, not in a close fight in the final round. What was your thoughts on his move to do that point deduction in the 10th and final round? Well, uh, I'll, I'll be very straightforward and honest i didn't i didn't have a problem with what he did really because um holding is holding period um that's 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 all within his realm i think that lifting is a uh, decent a very good referee i thought he did a decent job in that fight uh i thought that um the point deduction at the end holding is holding he kept warning him okay he didn't obey the one and I think that Gamboa, uh, in my opinion, this is this is what I saw in the fight, okay? I thought the judges did a terrible job, okay? I thought Sosa got robbed, okay, with the sound on and with the sound off. I think Sosa got robbed, okay? And once again, we're back to these judges that get all of the fights all of the time, the same guys over and over. And here we go once again, this, this Don Trella, who was the same judge that was in the fight with Adelaide Bird, who gave it a draw, okay? Here we go once again. He had the widest margin for Gamboa, okay? Now, what, what does that say? You've got hundreds of judges out there who never get an opportunity to work some of these major fights. That fight wasn't even the most high-profile fight in boxing, but still in all, you got the same guys over and over again, Okay, and you come up with these shaky decisions. That's my opinion. Okay, and uh, I've I've seen it over and over, and it's not going to change until you start letting other people get an opportunity. In my opinion, there's no such thing as a great judge. There's no such thing. Most of these judges who've been doing these high-profile fights have simply been lucky time and time again, and now their luck is running out. Okay, as far as Ron Lipton is concerned. I think he did a. I think he did a very good job in the fight. I just thought, and and your definition of holding is correct. It's correct. You have to give them a little time to work their way out. But you know, the referee is in the ring with the flow of the fighters, and he didn't feel that that was the case, and he took the point away. I had no problem with it. Um, you know that. That's just my. Uh, that's my opinion. Not only as a commissioner, but as a former referee. I think that it was very appropriate. He, um, he he warned him sufficiently, gave him an opportunity, 
And I think that Gamboa was the guy that was doing the bulk of the holding and slowing down the pace of the fight. So I have to, I have to be on, I have to uh, give a thumbs up to Lipton in that particular. Situation. I thought, I thought Ron did a great job. I just, and the the truth of the matter is, is that Gamboa doesn't know any defense. That's his form of defense. But you're right. I mean, holding's holding. Ron warned him three times, and unlike the other fight with Michael Ortega, he warned he warned Bellara. Uh, many times and uh, did not disqualify him. You know, he should have been disqualified for the low blows. But uh, yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, a- another topic I wanted to ask you, there was a fight uh, that uh, was scheduled to take place uh, over the weekend, and it was uh, it was canceled. The opponent comes in, steps on the scale. I know you heard this. 15 pounds overweight, all right? And we started talking about this on, on Monday's show. And number one, the the question that I was asked was, you know, should a fighter that knows damn well they're not going to make weight, uh, you know, a week out or so, reach out and, you know, advise the promoter, advise them, hey, listen, we're, we're not going to be able to make weight, try to renegotiate, try to have the fight at a higher weight class, whatever. Um, that would have been the right thing to do instead of just stepping on. But then it got a little deeper. And, you know, it, it, it fell on the burden of the commission. You as a commissioner, a fighter that comes in overweight, and we've started to see this a lot, Larry, where fighters come in overweight, uh, it gives them an edge whether the fight continues or not. You as a commissioner, have you considered ever suspending fighters? If we started to suspend a fighter for not making a contracted weight, one of two things, in my opinion, would happen. Either A, the fighters would be more disciplined and come in at the right weight that they're contracted to fight at, or B, fight in the correct weight class. Maybe the reason why we're seeing all these guys not being able to make weight isn't the fact that they're you know, not disciplined. Maybe they're just trying to cut weight too much and, and fight in a division they shouldn't be in. Have you ever thought of suspending fighters for not making weight? Well, you know that's a great idea. I have fined them. I have uh, I have issued fines to fighters. But maybe you know you just that's a great idea. Maybe we should start considering suspending these guys. The professional thing again. I agree with you. The professional thing for that fighter to have done, his management or whomever, was reach out to the promotion. You know well in advance uh, a week or two. If you're 15 pounds over the weight, that you're not going to be um, be able to safely lose 15 pounds, okay, and and make that. So that would have been the professional thing to do. But I think that perhaps maybe we should start thinking about suspending uh, fighters for not, you know, for for coming in flagrantly disregarding their contract in that fashion. Yeah. But I have fined, I have given issued fines. But I think that, that that's a great idea that should be considered. You know, uh, it will definitely remedy it. If, if you know you're going to be suspended and not be able to fight for 30 days, um, uh, you know, maybe maybe you sat, you start to say, hey, you know, I, I can't make one 135. I'm, I'm a junior welterweight, you know. I, you know and, and then maybe you could even play it where it's a safety issue. You know, you don't want on both sides. You don't want the opponent fighting a much bigger guy, and you don't want the guy trying to cut weight and and put himself in an unhealthy situation. I, I don't know. Suspension could be 
the forceful way of making people look at it the way it should be looked at. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, uh, well, it's, well uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly something that we should consider. And it happens to be a safety issue. Yeah. That yeah. is a safety issue, really. And, and speaking of safety, this is a segue. Your your idol Mike Mazzulli, uh went and uh, did a uh, uh, you know uh, did an interview with uh, ESPN, and they blasted the Arkansas Commission for allowing an HIV positive fighter to to fight, which obviously is you know is is terrible for them to do that. And then they came back and said, well, uh, the fighter submitted uh, a falsified uh, uh, blood work, right? So so me. And I've promoted fights in the state of Arkansas. Plus, I've promoted fights everywhere else. I said to myself, well, a couple of things don't sound right here. Number one, you know, everybody's supposed to follow the fight facts rule. And the state of Florida allegedly had put this particular fighter on indefinite suspension because he had already tested HIV in the state of Florida. So my first question to the powers that be at Arkansas is why would you not go through the protocol and expect the state of Florida to lift the suspension if there was, you know, the right amount of proof saying that it was an error or whatever. That's number one. And number two, every commission I've ever dealt with, including Arkansas, so this is a little funny to me, every commission doesn't let a fighter walk in with their blood work in their hand. They get it directly from the lab. You know, or from another commission that that had it or whatever, that if it was still valid. I mean, explain how this could have possibly happened without just an error. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's once again, it's the joke that goes on in some of these situations. I don't know all the details of that. You know, I read all of this stuff, you know, the emails going back and forth from Missouri to this guy, to that guy, that's that. as far as that ABC, that, that's, a, that's a club, okay? So, you know, that's, that's all I say about that. But you're absolutely correct. You know, they, they fighters get away anytime you see these bizarre situations going on. This is just nothing more than uh, these commissions that don't know what the hell's going on in boxing, that don't really care. You know, people that are inexperienced, I don't know all the details. Look, look what they just did in New York uh, with this MMA fighter. The guy got the shit beat out of him in the UFC event at, at, in Madison Square Garden, okay? And so they put him on suspension for like, what was it, 30 days or 60 days, whatever. So now this is the same guy who the UFC wants to fight somewhere or somewhere else. New York reduced the suspension. Okay, reduce the number of days that that the fighter is mandated to be on. They reduced it, shortened it, so he could go somewhere else, and he got knocked out again in the next season. So, I mean, you know, you know, Billy, when you, you constantly, or, or sometimes we constantly search for, you know, how did this happen? How did that happen? It's strictly incompetence on the part of people who are in these responsible positions Okay, who are supposed to be um, uh, administrating these commissions? That's the problem. Okay, you know, people do. Oh well, it's okay. Let it go. All right. And as far as the ABC is concerned, that's like it does. That's nothing. The ABC is absolutely zero. Okay, that's all I have to say about it. 
you know, the HIV thing is a serious situation because, you know, if it was a mistake that someone made, a human error, that allowed a guy to fight or, or even allowed somebody to bring in their own blood work. Here it is. Here's, here's my blood work, you know, signed uh, fighter's mom, you know. Uh, um, I, you know, uh, that's ridiculous. But the, the problem with uh, a contagious uh, disease like HIV or, or hepatitis, it's the guy that's sitting in the front row that's paid a ticket to watch the fight that is in danger. It's the referee in the ring. It's the it's the judges that that are blind. It's the officials on the ringside. I mean, all the guys that are there doing a job that don't know it and their life is in danger. You know, and that's the issue. That's where the seriousness comes from. And I agree with you about the whole ABC and everything. But geez, I mean, a commission whether and we all know without naming names, we got strong commissions that are, are, are solid, and we have weak commissions, but they all should at least adhere to the safety of the fans, you know? I, I mean, and this is where the issue is, and it's a shame it even happened. The commission has a responsibility to protect the public safety also, the integrity, and protect, protect the public safety, okay? Not just the fighters, okay? Now, those medical exams, are supposed to go through a protocol where, first off, in the, it, we 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 do not deal with medical exams from fighters at all. Everything comes from the commission to the commission, and then the medical exam goes to the doctors to scrutinize those exams, give an interpretation as to whether the exam is acceptable or not. And certainly, certainly, no fighter can bring any medical exams to the weigh-in or to to the fight or any of this stuff. It's just ridiculous when I hear some of, some of the stuff that goes on. You know, it, it's just crazy. And correct, correct, okay? me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, but isn't the HIPAA laws in place to... Uh... To, that's why a, a commission doesn't accept it from someone else? I mean, there's some yes. privacy issues? Yes, yes, yes. Billy, we don't even do licensing. You know, if, if you have a boxing or any MMA, if a show is on a, on a Friday, there's a three-day window to get licensed. We don't do... And listen, if a show is on a Friday, by Tuesday... All of the paperwork has to be done or you don't participate. You have to be licensed by Tuesday for a show that's on Friday, or you have to be licensed by Wednesday. With well, That includes all medicals, everything must be in, okay, by Wednesday if a show is on a Saturday. We have a 72-hour window. That gives us time to check medicals, to check uh, IDs, you know, you, we also have a situation, especially with these homeland security issues now. We don't know if this, this fighter is Joe Blow. We have to know that this is really Joe Blow, okay? That's in front of us. You have to have a process where the licensing procedure, we have to have IDs, we have to have pictures, we have to have medical exams that come directly from the commission. All of this stuff 
has to be scrutinized very closely, and then you are issued a license to participate. That's within 72 hours of the event. So, you know, you come, if you come to New Jersey, you're not going to walk into a weigh-in and see us doing any licensing. The weigh-in in New Jersey lasts no more than a half hour because all we do is weigh fighters. That's what a weigh-in is, the weigh-in. No paperwork is done. And I know of other commissions who perhaps do it the same way. That's the only way we professionalize what we're doing. Some of, some of the, many of these commissions are still being run like they were in the 1920s and 30s. And that's how these things are happening. Well, I'm glad that the top ones are still in the driver's seat, my man. That's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, hey, listen, Absolutely. we'll be talking uh, next week uh, about Kodo. So uh, you have a great weekend. Hang in there, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, brother. Okay, brother. Take care, Larry. Okay. That's my man Larry Hazard giving his thoughts on some topics that we talked about uh, earlier in the week. And, um, hey, you know, it is what it is. But uh, – Good idea, you know. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Larry can uh, take that suspension thing a little further. Maybe it will help uh, with the safety of these fighters. Listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, this week's blast from the past: Diego Corrales coming up next. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, it's that time again, man. The Blast from the Past. It's one of our uh, favorite segments and the longest-running segment uh, that we have on this show. Uh, this week's Blast from the Past is being brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Sign up today. And the Title Bout Championship computer game. Download your copy right now while you're watching and listening to the show. Just visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the banner. And uh, speaking of the title about championship computer game, we told you guys that starting uh, next year, uh, beginning of uh, 2018, we're going to be doing a new segment uh, that's going to feature uh, myself and Sal and uh, Dax and, and uh, of course, Alex Papale, where we take those dream matchups that we're always talking about. and We break them down, give you our thoughts of how the fight w- went, and then Alex is going to uh, tell us round by round what the title bout championship computer game says. Looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. But first, today's Blast from the Past features a former multi-division world champion, Diego Corrales. And joining me right now to tell us all about Diego Corrales is my man, Alex Propali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to that. Not quite as good as you, but... Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not as quite as good as you are this morning, but uh, I wish I was hanging out over there. But anyway, uh, 
in any event, see, you know, you know, once you come on, you know that we have a camera. It's just not live, uh, you know. I, 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 yes, I know. I, I did that for you. <laughs> but anyway, Diego Corrales, man. Uh, uh, one thing I'm wondering, you know, uh, it's too bad we didn't have a, a real you, that uh, title bout couldn't add a much more copious. Uh, uh, list of fighters, and you could do some fantasy matchups like maybe uh, the Green Lantern versus uh, Yosemite Sam yeah. <laughs> or uh, Diego Corrales. See what I'm versus- talking about? I wish I was over there this morning because I could actually join in with that conversation. But right now, it's uh, it's tough. But uh, um, you know, Diego Corrales. You know, I, I love when the listeners. Uh, uh, request a blast and and you know we do have a a, a little bit of a list uh, we're backed up a little bit but hey if anybody out there uh, does have a fighter you want us to to do a blast on just drop me an email billy at talking boxing t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g.com and and alex diego corrales was quite the fighter uh unfortunately we left him he left us so early but when you look at this guy um you know really i I'm surprised he's not already in the Hall of Fame, and that's going to bring me to another uh, question later. Uh, you know whether he should or shouldn't be. But tell us about him. Let, let, let's let's go back and start at the beginning. Yeah, um, you know that was one of the things because, of course, that's one of the things we always get to here on the blast is especially uh, is this guy in the Hall of Fame or his credentials. Um, uh, or her credentials. We've never done a female blast from the past. Perhaps we, I think we should at some point, but um, maybe somebody could request it. But um, I, I do think that uh, it's almost too soon um, for, because some of these guys uh, might be, Mayweather's definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's on his list. Casamayor and Castillo are the other two names that might end up being in the Hall of Fame, but um, I'm not sure e- uh, either one of those guys will. Uh, they, neither one's on the ballot yet, I believe. It hasn't been five years, I don't think, for Castillo. Um, it has been for Corrales, but I don't know if he's ever been on the ballot. Yeah, it's been way more than five. 2012 would have been five for him. But, you know, I I know that's that's our guide. You know, we look at victories that these fighters had over existing Hall of Famers. And some of the guys that are in the Hall of Fame are questionable to begin with, especially uh, in the later years. So I, I don't know. That that criteria um, is tough. It, I, you know, when do we look at a body of work by a fighter and, you know, put in perspective who we fought? I mean, you could look at guys, when you look at, like, for example, Diego Corrales' Corrales's record, I mean, you go back before, um, you know, like if you go back to his first uh, world title, R- Roberto Garcia, more people know him as Robert Garcia. You know, he beat him. He, he won the title from him, you know, and that run of fighters with those title defenses all the way up until he lost to Floyd in 2001 were the top guys of the division. Now, maybe De- maybe Derek Gaynor isn't a Hall of Famer, um, you know, Angel Manfredi might be, but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, all these guys, you know, Robert Garcia, John Brown, I mean, these were all top guys that he dispatched. You know, when do you look at the body of work and who they fought when they fought them? You know, it's easy to look at a fighter uh, after they've continued on their career too long, and and, uh, Joel Casamayor is a good example where all of a sudden they start amassing losses. They're doing it for the payday. 
and you know a young fan might look up look up boxer and say oh you know he's got double digit losses he mustn't have been that good but if you go back and see him when they were in their prime and then you look at a guy like Diego Corrales who comes out on top shouldn't that be weighed in for the for the Hall of Fame Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And I think we, this is the second guy in the row. Uh, just like last week, it's interesting. We have two Sacramento guys and also guys that uh, you're only can, you can only be responsible for who's around at your time. And if you fought them all and did well against them, beat them, had uh, exciting matchups with them, what more could you ask for? Um, that should be a major part of what gets people in the Hall, Hall of Fame. And I think for some guys, you could argue that it is is um but uh yeah so here's the argument for diego chico corrales he was born in sacramento california august 25th 1977 um he uh, uh fought at 130 and 135 as a professional um and he I didn't realize this, Billy. See, he started boxing at nine years old. Um, his, his father said he, he got into a few street fights in, in Sacramento, and his father said to him, you know, if you want to fight so much, I'm putting you in the ring. So his father brought him to a gym, and he started uh, – he did well. He amassed a record. I, I saw two different figures in different places. One place had it 105 wins, 12 defeats. Another one had it 115 wins, seven defeats. Uh, he picked up titles like the 1991 Police Athletic League, national champ at 112 pounds, so that's when he was younger. Uh, and he won a bronze at the Pan Am Games in 1995. He lost to a Cuban. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he uh, he became a, a father at a teen uh, at like 19, 18, and um, he had to drive a truck for Montgomery Ward, uh, as well as he's you know that's part of why he started pro boxing uh, to be able to provide for his family, and um, this guy I tell you people loved him. He was a very down to earth guy. Um, that's the way he was always described. And the thing about him as a prize fighter, despite his, he was 5'10 and a half, which, you know, he would made this like lanky figure. Um, he was a puncher. And it's, uh, it's, it's a, he's a, not only a puncher, but a puncher who loved and was really good at fighting inside. Um, kind of like a lightweight Riddick Bow. Riddick Bowe was another guy like that. That was tall and you wouldn't think would uh, do well inside, but he did. Um, and he made for some uh, absolutely classic fights, perhaps one of the best fights um, of the last 20 years, uh, the first fight with Jose Luis Castillo. No question about that. I mean, uh, that was a good... And he had, he had some good fights against Casimir. Um, he, uh, I mean, Angel Manfredi, he knocked out quickly. Um, but I mean, the names I mentioned, Derek Gaynor, you know, people forget about Derek Gaynor. There's a good, uh, blast, uh, on him. Uh, Robert Garcia was a good fighter. And, and remember he fought Gary St. Clair as well, way back in 98. It's hard to believe that Diego Corrales has been gone 10 years already. Um, I know. I was surprised that, uh, it was that, yeah, I don't know. This, I don't know if you're getting a weird sound from me, but I, I get you a little bit back and forth. Um, but, uh, 
I, I do think that that was the thing about him. He, uh, in terms of, he, he was a puncher, boxer puncher. And I wonder if, um, I didn't see any tape of, uh, um, tape, uh, video of him, um, as an amateur, but I wonder if his style was different. Um, because, you know, I, I, power doesn't go as far in the amateurs. Um, you know, because you don't have time to really wear down a guy and uh, with heavy hands. Um, but uh, in the pros, yeah, that was the first fight with Casamayor was a thriller. Um, he, of course, we should mention that he was in terms of build up to a fight. His for fight with Mayweather, everybody thought that was that was an absolute mega fight. Uh, it was the first major, major super fight of um, the new millennia uh, of the 2000s because, um, you know, we're talking uh, January of 2001, and this was for supremacy at 130 pounds. And in Mayweather, you know, uh, Floyd back then wasn't the um, bad guy Floyd that he became, like the heel uh, he didn't play that part yet. At no, that no, no. And, and, and it and was I, sort of interesting. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I wanted to say, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, because when he fought Floyd, that was Floyd Mayweather when he was exciting. That was before the Floyd Mayweather of the last decade where he was, you know, cherry picking opponents and everything else. I mean, you know, that was that arguably could be. You know, one of the last fights. Uh, actually, no. Uh, Floyd Floyd fought all the way up until the uh, Carlos Baldemir uh, fight was uh, he, when when his contract finally got up with Top Rank. That's when he shifted gears and became the Floyd we know and loathe today. But um, you know, when he fought Diego Corrales. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I did I did I let my opinion shine through? I'm sorry. I like that the the Floyd we know and loathe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, the Floyd Mayweather Diego Corrales fight was actually uh, a well uh, uh, you know a, a fight that was you know people wanted to see, and, and Floyd only had twenty four fights under his belt, and boys and girls stopped Diego Corrales. When, when was the last time we saw oh, that? He, he beat his ass, and you know there, Corrales had distractions. He had like a real estate deal that he was having trouble with. So that was a distraction. Uh, he had a lot of trouble making weight. Um, oh, and one of the reasons about the weight is that he was bouncing back from a high of 180 pounds. He had had to take a break for uh, 14 months in the clink. Um, he had did time for assaulting his wife. Uh, I forget the charge was pled down to something. Um, but uh, his wife ended up with some broken ribs and a broken collarbone. He he never really, you know, talked about it thoroughly in the sense of you know, uh, copping to it. Uh, but he did say that you know there's two sides to every story, um, and uh, you know, but like this blast uh, from Carlos Monzon to Edwin Valero, uh, a little. Um, spousal abuse it's not foreign to the blast from the past um and that's one of the things that was fascinating billy c about this feat fight and that it, it ends up as as always uh history uh can be pretty ironic sometimes uh irony can be pretty ironic um the uh 
Floyd Mayweather actually uh, picked on uh, Corrales and even went as far as to say that he was going to bring the battered wife to uh, ringside. Uh, her name was um, Maria um, Corrales. They had been they, that was the his teen bride. Um, she was six months pregnant at the time of the uh, in altercation. And um, Floyd, you know, it's interesting to see Floyd all holier than now picking on Corrales, uh, saying that he was going to champion uh, women everywhere uh, by beating on the wife beater. Uh, and but he did. He uh, he whooped Corrales's ass in that fight, dropped him, I think, seven times. And uh, the fight was mercifully stopped. Uh, by Corrales's stepfather, but Corrales was, you know, he's a guy that wanted to go out and shield, so he was crushed by that defeat. Um, but like I said, you know, that was one of the things that unfortunately was sort of uh, weight went back and forth uh, as it, it is a major issue for so many fighters. Uh, it played a part in his eventual downfall as well in the Casamayor re, uh, rubber match. Well, you know, after the Floyd fight, you can clearly see if you look and read between the lines of Diego Corrales's career that he righted the ship because, you know, he, he rattles off, uh, you know, uh, four wins all by stoppage against, you know, the usual suspects, uh, which you want to see a fighter fight uh, after a devastating loss. Uh, which uh, was actually, I think it was his first loss against Floyd. Um, yes. And then, uh, yeah, then they, that was, uh, Aram had compared it to a Hearns Leonard type match because, like you said, Floyd was what, 23, 24 and 0, and uh, Corrales was 33 and 0. Well, you know, he comes back, he wins those four fights, and then, uh, bam, he's in, uh, uh, in the ring with uh, Joel Casamayora for the first of a, a trilogy with him. And um, of his uh, losses, he suffers uh, his second uh, stoppage loss uh, at the hands of Joel Casamayora. But that set up an immediate rematch, Alex, which was at by the time they fought, um, you know, several months later, Casamayora uh, had picked up uh, or the vacant WBO title was on the line. But that fight that they had was for a vacant IBA you know, uh, another one of those uh, alphabet soup uh, belts. But um, in the uh, in the uh, uh, junior, uh, uh, yeah, junior lightweight belt, um, he won. That's when he picked up the belt uh, against the second fight against Kessemayor. Right, and that was one of those fights where he, because uh, he, he was, mo he, we were so so in, enjoyed seeing him fight as a slugger, and here he was in the rematch with Casamayor. He really outboxed him and uh, fought against form uh, and showed maybe that's what uh, he looked like as an amateur. Um, and he did. Uh, he um, Well, his first title defense, I was ringside at... at um Foxwoods in in Connecticut against Asilio Freitas, who who had not lost. You know, it's funny. I, I think I brought some bad luck to Freitas because I was also ringside when uh, uh, what's his name uh, beat him uh, uh, the, in lightweight, the Diaz kid, baby. Oh, Juan Diaz. Diaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah wasn't that at Foxwoods too? Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, his uh, that's when I, I sat right next to his parents. But anyway, um, uh, not Asilio Freitas' parents, but. Um, and actually, my man, uh, 
uh, Suarez uh, was in uh, the corner of Freitas for that for that uh, fight. But anyway, his uh, he handed uh, Asilio Freitas, Oscar Suarez, that is, by the way, uh, Asilio Freitas his first loss uh, in uh, his first world title fight. What's that? It was Popo versus Chico. Right, <laughs> right. Well, that, that was a great fight. And, uh, I, you know, Diego Corrales, you know, not that I didn't like him before, but when I saw him up up close and in that Freitas fight uh, in 2004 at Foxwoods, I really appreciated Diego Corrales because you're right. He evolved into a, a multifaceted type fighter. Uh, by the time he defended his belt against Freitas. Because not only was he boxing and doing what he used to do, you know, try and take people out, uh, but, uh, you know, he was putting it all together. It, it seemed like he was on the uh, uh, on an uprise, on a total change, and, and which set up uh, the first of two great fights against Jose Luis Castillo. Yeah, the first uh, Castillo, Castillo fight was uh, amazing. And, uh, of course, it has that um, – there's a word I can't – in order to do it justice, you have to uh, be able to drop an F-bomb, and I can't do that. So I won't uh, get too into too detail because the Joe Goose in line, uh, to me, that that's everything of the whole, whole story. It's both – because that adds to the drama. Um, and uh, it was just an amazing thing to see. Uh, but, yeah, and it, and it had a little bit of controversy, be, of course, after, uh, you know, nine incredible rounds of just toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe action um, where it really had to be just both guys just bit down on their mouthpieces and went at it. And, and that's the thing is that when people talk about a Gotti Ward, uh, Gotti Ward is probably more power, uh, popular, uh, than, um, the sound just went in and out again. Um, not, not, not for us. Maybe it's just in your okay, headset. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. good, good. Um, the, uh, but that, this, remember, this is guys at the top level of that division. Gotti Ward wasn't. So when you have this kind of thing, this is like a, a, a Leonard Hearns type of thing. Of course, at this point, these guys weren't undefeated. Um, but uh, when you have the guys, it's that divisional significance. It's so much bigger. Um, and uh, it was just an incredible fight in the 10th round. Um, Castillo, I mean, uh, Castillo put, puts Corrales down. He, the, he keeps losing the mouthpiece, of course. And the fateful time, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, after he's down twice and uh, Goosen puts that mouthpiece back into his mouth and says to him, you know, you better effing get inside on him now because he kept saying, get, him, get inside, get inside, because he knows that's where Corrales can work and could catch him with those uh, that left hook. And, uh, of course, he goes out there and he does get inside. It's amazing. And he suddenly turns the tables. And Castillo's in so much trouble. And uh, Tony Weeks rescues him in one of the most dramatic rounds in uh, boxing history. It was. You know, I, I never get Corrales going down and, uh, you know, getting up, going down. And you're saying, okay, it's a matter of time. You know, they're, they're going to wave it off. And then, boom, when he knocked out uh, Castillo, uh, and they did wave it off, but he was out. And, and you know, I mean, he was out. Yeah. And, and then, and what, what's even better about that, and, and this is what the sport of boxing brings to the table like no other sport. When you have that kind of fight, 
the demand for a rematch, and this is what pisses me off today, when they drag out the rematches, you know, when it's at the height of interest, you know, where it can help the sport, where the fans are just drooling for it, today we put it off for three, four years, you know. Um, They didn't in 2005, which uh, it seems like it was yesterday, but like we were talking about, it's uh, uh, more than 10 years ago. And uh, five months later, or actually seven months later, uh, they uh, they had the uh, no no five was right five months later they have the rematch, and uh, Castillo comes on top with a knockout. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's brutal. Um, it was both a, a decision, uh, you know, probably in part probably a, mostly a financial decision because people wanted to see it, but it was way too soon. Uh, Corrales hadn't completely bounced back. And then the second problem was uh, Castillo um, certainly wasn't a lightweight. He was at least uh, a junior welterweight, um, maybe bigger. We don't know. But he didn't. The day of the weigh-in, he weighed 138.5 instead of 135. So uh, one of the things, one of these handlers now, I, I you know, can't remember where the name is, but uh, he actually put his foot, he was caught trying to put his foot under the scale to try to make Castillo weigh less. And uh, Castillo, like I said, weighed 138 and a half. Who knows how much, you know, he eventually weighed on fight night. Um, and you could see every punch he landed just did more damage. And yeah, he takes... Uh, takes Corrales out in four rounds. But again, it's another thrilling fight. Uh, sadly, uh, Castillo, that rematch with Castillo uh, was the first of three fights. Uh, Corrales never won another fight in his life. Uh, he had a, the rubber match with Cas- Casamayor. And guess what happened? He couldn't make the weight. Um, so it just shows you that that's major... This was an incident where um, that whole idea of day before weigh-ins and uh, guys aren't weighing anywhere near the um, weight that they're actually fighting at or defending titles at. It's it's very it's it's dangerous is when you think about it. Oh, yeah. um, and um, this was a perfect example. So Casamayor. Corrales weighs in at 139 for a 135-pound fight. Casamayor beats him by split decision. Then uh, uh, Corrales moves all the way up to fight Josh Clotty at 149 and just gets battered over 10 rounds. And um, he was dropped in the ninth and 10th. And guess what? Starts spitting out his mouthpiece again. Uh, so you want when you saw that, it was sort of it made you wonder: Was he spitting out his mouthpiece against Castillo? Well, you know the thing with the Joshua Clotty fight uh, showed us that you know Joshua Clotty, no no negativity for him. He was never a flashy guy, and and Diego's Corrales when when he was boxing. Should have been able to outbox and outmove a Joshua Clotty, even though Clotty was so much bigger. But remember, boys and girls, Joshua Clotty was a was a very good fighter. Had not lost uh, for quite a while. I mean, he's got the two losses on his record in that fight. But uh, 
was a was a real tough fighter. Then on well, the- and he had I think it was his first fight since um, his because remember his his breakout yeah his breakout fight was the loss to Margarito that kind of that should have been a win he he put a hurting on Margarito in that fight right. he really made him work for it. And then the next fight was Corrales. Um, so, yeah, it was about – that was probably the the height of um, Josh Clotty's uh, career there. So, listen, we're, 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 we're over our – Going uh, over. Uh, but, but here's the thing. I just want to mention this. Uh, we're, we're over our time, but uh, Diego Corrales uh, unfortunately died in a motorcycle accident. Uh, he was only 29 years old, and I think boxing lost uh, – a, a, a great one, and and I, I I do believe that Diego Corrales belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, how did he do in title bout? Uh, he did very well. Um, I uh, where did I write it? Here I did. Uh, he of course has a very tough draw um, because of the divisions he's in. Um, he won titles at 130 and 135 pounds, and right now we have two very, very top, uh, dangerous guys, two of the best in the sport in those divisions. At 135, you have Mikey Garcia, and at 130, you have Vasil Lomachenko. So against Mikey Garcia, um, he actually did very well. Corrales beats him in their first fight, uh, knocks him out in round eight, and um at two minutes and 22 seconds of the round. And when they fight a hundred times, Corrales gets the better of him. 79 victories, 21 defeats, stops him 62 times. And in, um, uh, his, in Garcia's 21 wins, he was able to score 17 knockouts. Uh, against Vasil Lomachenko, however, uh, he doesn't do as well. Um, Lomachenko, the first time they fight, Lomachenko stops Corrales by TKO in the sixth, two minutes and one second. When they fight 100 times, uh, Chico only wins 24, uh, loses 68, and draws eight. Uh, He scores six knockouts in those 24 wins. And in the 68 victories that Lomachenko scored, uh, he stopped Corrales 21 times. Uh, I just want to say that myself, uh, uh, me and my brother met uh, Corrales. We had gone to the um, Mosley-De uh, La Hoya fight in Los Angeles, and he fought and won- and beat Justin Juco on that fight, on that card. And the next day, we were eating at this restaurant next to our hotel called The Saddle Ranch, and um, it had a mechanical bull and everything, Billy C., and Diego Corrales and his family were sitting at the table next to us. So me and my brother were like, uh, hey, let's." Um, we bought them a round of shots. And uh, he was very nice. He came over and he gave us uh, signed photos. And uh, it was one of those moments where you realize, uh, you know how you meet some people, it's like a Seinfeld thing. Uh, of Some people are close talkers. Uh, some people just like to squeeze that hand when they meet you. You know, you never do that with a fighter because a fighter's hands, you know, this guy just was in a war and he didn't grip our hands either. But, you know, you politely shake the hand. Our president right now, he's got a freaky thing with handshakes. You always wonder about a guy that's going to squeeze the hand. Um, but, of course, we he was very, very nice. And um, it was cool. It was really great to meet him. And we had seen him in one of his big victories against Juco. Great job as usual, Alex. Sorry, uh, Diego. I'm sorry. No, I, I just, you know, I, I got time. Uh, Diego Corrales, former world junior lightweight and lightweight champion. 
Uh, he had a career record 40 wins, 33 by knockout, uh, five losses in which he was stopped three times, and three of those five losses were uh, uh, his last three fights, like uh, Alex said. Fought 230 rounds, 73% knockout ratio. Diego Corrales left us at just 29 years old. Way too soon. Great job as usual. Alex, we'll look forward to you next week. I got to take a break. When I come back, I got uh, Sal Rocky Senecola joining us. And uh, we got some news and updates on some fight cards that are coming your way. We'll be back in two. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, back in the saddle again, so to speak, is uh, my man Sal Rocky Sinicola. And Sal, we got, uh, you know, there's a big fight coming up uh, on December 9th uh, at a Madison Square Garden in New York City. And it's a well, uh, uh, highly anticipated matchup between Vasily Lomachenko and uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux. Uh, it will be on uh, ESPN. And they just officially uh, announced the, the undercard lineup, which is all uh, signed, sealed, and delivered now. Um, you know, on the television broadcast, they got some decent matchups. Uh, Michael Conlon, the, Olympi- the uh, Irish Olympian, um, is uh, 4-0 with four knockouts. He's going to be taking on uh, Luis Fernando Molina uh, in a uh, featherweight fight. Christopher Diaz, who's undefeated uh, at 21-0, is taking on Casey Ramos. Uh, and uh, also um, Shakur Stevenson, uh, that uh, highly anticipated uh, uh, young fighter that was an Olympian. Uh, our very own uh, Larry Hazard told us all about Shakir. Uh, he's 3-0 with a knockout. Uh, he's fighting in the featherweight division against Oscar Mendoza. Uh, I think it's a decent uh, undercard. What do you think? I think you're right on. Yes, it sounds like a really good competitive undercard. I think it's going to be tur- turbocharged. You know, another fight that's on that card, which won't be on the television broadcast, but I guess will be available through, um, you know, the Internet or ESPN's app. Um, and, and, you know, remember, this is a, a, a top-ranked card. Um, you know, a heavyweight that I, I really like, Bryant Jennings, he's 20-2 and two right now with 11 knockouts. He's on this card as well. He's taking on Don Hainsworth, who's 13-1-1. One one. It's an eight-round fight. You know, I think they're being extremely cautious with Jennings. I mean, here Jennings fought, uh, you know, some top opposition. He's a good fighter, uh, and, and they, they're really being careful. It, it looks to me like they're they're trying to, they're trying to get him set for a uh, some kind of a shot, but geez, they're not taking any chances with this kid. No, I think they're going to keep him under wraps and protected for a little while, and you know, leverage him up until uh, they can, you know, get a good payday and a good big fight, a significant fight for him. But the and thing I that the, the thing I don't, his... but the thing I don't understand, Sal, is he's already an established fighter. 
I mean, it's yes. not like they're building them up, you know. I mean, uh, it just seems like they're taking an easy route, get them a couple of more wins. I mean, this isn't a, a, a newbie, you know. I, no. I'm a little confused. Well, I, I think maybe, you know, we got to look who's really advising them, who's directing his career. Because, you know, if it's his input, if it's uh, a manager's input or a promoter's input, you know, there's so many different variables out there and facets that fighters do have to contend with, including they're their own worst, worst enemy many times. Uh, so to get the clarity, to map out a career, and to take the significant fights that are going to leverage you to be uh, in a position that uh, that is where you need to be and want to be on top of the game, you know, it's it it's a rough course. You got to really position, and maneuver, and maybe they're they're trying to just let him shine a little bit more. And before uh, they could do it, I don't know the reason behind it because, as you said, he is an established fighter already, and uh, you know who knows why they do things like this. Another fight that uh, I wanted to mention real quick um, in a couple of weeks on HBO. Um, you know, it's going to be uh, on the undercard of a fight I know both you and I can't wait for uh, when uh, Bill Joe Saunders uh, uh, puts his title on the line against uh, uh, one of your guys, uh, David Lemieux. Um, and, you know, I, we, we, we love this fight, but they announced that uh, the fighter that just uh, did a good showing, uh, uh, Cletus Se uh, Selden, who's undefeated, He's on that card, and he's going to be in the toughest fight of his career against Yves uh, Ulysses Jr. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. You know why, Sal? Because I think that Selden, although he was exciting, he's very one-dimensional. It's going to be interesting to see him fight against Ulysses, who's uh, a little more well-rounded. Yes, I agree. And that's how you test a fighter. That's how you move him along. You've got to have him face different styles, different opponents to really round him off and give him that experience on a tested level. So uh, this should be a real significant fight for him. Listen, uh, like we had told you guys, uh, programming note, we won't be here tomorrow, uh, but we will be back uh, uh, the following day. So we apologize for that. Now we're in the holiday season already. Yes, we are. And uh, we will be, uh, uh, you know, doing this from time to time to close out the year. I know it seems uh, like it's far away, but it's not. We got a lot of good stuff planned for 2018. And like I mentioned earlier, one of our new segments uh, will feature myself and Sal and, and Dax and Alex Papali um, with those dream matchups that we all uh, are always talking about. So if you have a dream matchup uh, that has always, you know, had in the back of your mind, like, what if, email them to me because we're going to start accumulating those. And then uh, as this uh, segment kicks off, we're going to be doing it once a week. So um, email them to me. Your dream matchups with fighters, uh, if you had the time machine, if you were able to go back in time and pluck a fighter out, like, for example, Floyd Mayweather against Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, uh, that's obviously going to be one of them. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, dream matchups. Just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. It's time for the trivia question. Be getting some answers, some good answers, but none of the correct answers. This is a tough one. Uh, and it's, it, you know, the funny thing is, is all you, of you boxing historians out there, when you finally hear who it is, you're going to be like, oh, man, I forgot all about him. Because you all yeah. know this guy. It's just that, like his career, this is a hint, like this guy's career and the way he is right now, he's kind of flown under the radar a bit. 
and it's it's pretty amazing that he did even during his career uh, because of uh, uh, the fights that he had. So so the question is, name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by stoppage. Now this could have been a uh, you know knockout or a TKO. All right. So if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of uh, the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that uh, Alex does the simulations with and the same game that uh, Sal calls the Magic uh, Boxing Machine. So uh, uh, you can get your very own copy. Just name the fighter who fought the most fights from the start of his career uh, before it being defeated by stoppage. If you're the first one to email me, you win the prize. Hey, listen, man, uh, we are off tomorrow, but we will be back better than ever the following day. So make sure you tune in Friday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na